Thank you for listening to our New Life Christian Center podcast. Stay tuned after the sermon for more ways to connect with us. This morning, I'm going to review a little bit. <clears throat> Glenn's, excuse me. Glenn's been talking a lot about resiliency and being resilient, bouncing back, even bouncing back to God's intent. So um, for us to be able to bounce back to God's intent, we really need to know what that was, and he's done a great job of laying that out. So I'm going I'm to back up a little bit, and we'll talk a little bit about the mental resilience that he talked about, and then I'm going to kind of take it a little different direction that um, Kevin and Lola heard Thursday night, and Trevor and Catherine got to taste a piece of this. But um, So I, I hope it's helpful. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful this morning for the opportunity to look into your word, the opportunity to hear your voice, to receive wisdom, to receive insight. Open our ears to hear you, our eyes to see what you're saying to us, that we might when we leave, be at a, a more resilient, better mental place than we are at the moment. We thank you for your goodness. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for speaking through me, causing um, your will to be accomplished here this morning. Amen. So if I were to title this today, we would call it Lid Lifting. But we're going to start um, backing up a little bit at, at the mental resilience piece. So if we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, first three verses that, that have been familiar over the last several weeks. And I'll probably have us bouncing around the Bible quite a little, but that's good for us. Amen. First Corinthians 3, 1 through 3. <clears throat> and I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you still are not able for you are still carnal, for there are envy, strife, and divisions among you. Are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? So that's kind of the foundational scriptures that, that um, Glenn's been using. You know, the, the challenge for us is not to be in that carnal spot, to recognize when we are, and then to get out of there. Um, to bounce back. What Melinda was, was reading in her version this morning, that was very appropriate. Jesus was resilient through death and, and returned to the, to the state God wanted him to be in. Um, mental resilience would be the knowledge you use to approach what you're going through. Um, it's 
being able to pull out of your reserve, I'm going to call it right thinking. Grace to press on, grace to make an adjustment, or to continue. So mentally, when you're in a difficult spot, being resilient allows you to tap into that grace of God to press on, to press through, to continue. Um, so it's really, it's really right thinking. How do we do that? That's, that's the, the, the challenge. How do we refocus and how do we get our brain back to that spot where we can tap into God's grace and continue to respond and move forward rightly? What's, what's the source or the strength to do that? <clears throat> and I think, I think it's got to be based on the foundation you've built in your thinking, the foundation um, of right thinking. You've got to be able to come back to something. So you have to have a foundation. Let's move over to Luke chapter 6. It's a good picture here of of foundation. If you've got no foundation, you have nothing to come back to. So if you're in that spot, it's time to start building, but build on the right foundation. So let's go to Luke 6. We're going to start verse 47. Familiar story. We've heard it in Sunday school. Heard it lots of times, probably lots of ways. Luke 6, 47, whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood rose, a stream beat vehemently against that house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation, against which the stream beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. So we can see the importance of a foundation. We are going to have storms come. We are going to have seasons come that beat against our house, that beat against our thinking and our mind, and we're questioning and we're wondering, why is this happening? How could that be? We have that. That's the storms. That's the storm that's beating against your house, your thinking house. If you have not built on a foundation, on the right foundation, this says no foundation, you don't have a chance. You're not going to withstand the onslaught of that storm. Think of your foundation as as your anchor point where you can come back to it and it's firm. So what's our anchor? What's our foundation? Our foundation, 
Our anchor is what we know from the Word of God, from what we see in the Word of God. That's got to be our foundation. That's got to be our point upon which we build. What have we seen in the Word? What have we heard or known from the Word of God? So the foolish man built his house on the sand or on the earth without digging down to a firm foundation. The earth is, if the earth is what you're building on, the earth systems, this world systems, that's going to fail. We've got to get to a better place than what the earth, the world system has to provide us as a foundation. We're in it, but we're not of it, scripture tells us. So um, we've got to dig a little deeper than what we see in our earth sphere, our world. Um, thank you. What, what the earth provides you seems well and good enough until the storm comes. But when that storm comes, we find out if it was adequate or if it wasn't, don't we? We find out how shaky it really is. There's no staying power in the earth system. There's no, there's no underpinning. There's no strength when we built on the sand. So you can see how if that's our foundation, mental resilience is not going to be it's not going to be there. There's no lasting foundation in the world. We've got to choose the foundation of what God's word says. What did God say? What is, what is his perspective? What is he saying? What is he showing me? So let's go to John chapter 8. John eight thirty one. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Some versions say, set you free. I like make you free. If... If I set something free, to me, that tells me I can go catch it again. But if I've made it free, um, it's free. And on on down he says, um, in verse 36, Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you'll be free indeed. You're in a position, it's a positional word, that, that I am free. I'm not able to be caught again if I'm free. So freedom is what um, is one of the foundations that we can find in the word, that I'm free. God has made me free. He's made me free indeed. Um, Verse 36 says, if the son... 
Jesus makes you free, you're free indeed. Back up a couple pages to John 1. John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. Then down in verse 14, it says, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So we see from John 1, verse 1 and verse 14, that the Word is Jesus. Jesus is the Word. So when we see in John 8 that the Son makes us free, it's not a stretch to say the Word makes you free. The Son is the Word. The Word is the Son. Um, so we're, we're still thinking about this foundation, why it's so important that your foundation be the Word, because that's what's going to set you free. So we need to find and do a little digging for what's in that Word. What's that going to do for me? Recognition of that truth that the word sets me free, that the word is my foundation, will give you mental resilience because you will have something to come back to, something to measure against. Am I thinking right? What does God say about this situation? What, what can I find that shows me this is his will, this is his plan, this is, this is the idea of the Son? and the word setting me free, and I can come back to this point. I can come back to this point. This is my foundation. So I'm going to shift gears now a little bit. That's just a little review. <clears throat> We're going to talk probably the rest of the morning. Well, not, not the rest of the literal morning, the rest of my time up here, about hindrances to this resiliency. What, 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 what hinders us? So I've got a little 40-second YouTube that Jeremy's going to play, and we'll introduce this idea. Training fleas requires a glass jar with a lid. The fleas are placed inside the jar, and the lid is then sealed. They are left undisturbed for three days. Then, when the jar is opened, the fleas will not jump out. In fact, the fleas will never jump higher than the level set by the lid. Their behavior is now set for the rest of their lives. And when these fleas reproduce, their offspring will automatically follow their example. So if you couldn't understand him, he was training fleas, fleas in a jar. And if you put fleas in the jar, after three days, you can take the lid off and they will not jump out. And actually, he says, a flea for the rest of its life will never jump higher than that lid. And if those fleas breed, they will pass that on and their offspring will never jump higher than the level of that lid even though the lid's gone. So what in the world would that have to do with us training fleas? 
Um, I would suggest to you that we allow lids to be placed on us that limit our thinking and limit our resiliency, that limit our bouncing back. We have placed a lid that we then allow to alter our behavior such that we can't break through it. And without, we're not like the flea in that we can't, but without that process of changing our thinking and changing and being resilient, I think we are like the flea, and we can bounce in that weakened, limited state the rest of our life. And I think we can probably pass that on to our kids and our grandkids and, and um, perpetuate that cycle. So what is a lid? A lid is something we think or believe that conditions us to be limited. So um, it's something we've chosen to believe. We've chosen to, to set as our ceiling. It might be um, we believe it's, it's a lid that's designed to, to keep us living short of God's promise or living short of God's best. It really is a, it's, it's a lid. It's, it's, it's the lowering of the ceiling that, that um, conditions us to live limited. Examples, doubt, uh, past mistakes or pains that conditions us to, to, to pull the reins back. Failures, maybe, maybe something someone spoke over you. Could be as a child, um, could be your spouse, could be a teacher, could be an employer. You'll never this or you'll always that. That we've embraced and we've conditioned ourselves to live in that limited state. So I want to look at a few examples from scriptures um, that we can see that this happened before we get into kind of how to break that cycle. So I want to go to Numbers chapter 13. We'll start in verse 23. I'm going to read a little chunk of this, but it, it'll, it'll make the point here when we're done. So this is the, the ten spies that were sent into the, the promised land before, the, before they um, were to cross over. Then they came to the valley of Eskel, and there cut down a branch with one cluster of grapes. They carried it between two of them on a pole. They also brought some of the pomegranates and the figs. The place was called the Valley of Eskel because of the cluster 
which the men of Israel cut down there. And they returned from spying out the land after 40 days. Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Then they told him and said, We went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong in the cities and are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land, which they spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak, came from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. So all the generation, or all the congregation, lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. So there's quite a few things in here I see. But if you look at the back story, before God sent them in, did God ever say there would be no, no inhabitants in the land? So they saw exactly what God said they would see. These people are going to live there, and you're going to have to dispossess them, but I've given you the land, and it's a good land. And that's what they said to Moses. Um, We went into the land, verse 27, where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. So they could have stopped there and said, this is exactly what you said, God. This is a great land. This, I mean, if you have to carry a cluster of grapes on a pole between two men, that's a pretty big cluster of grapes. So, you know, it's, it's an abundant place that God said they were to have. Did, did God change his mind? Did what God say prove to not be true? No, he, he told them there will be people there. He told them it was a fruitful land. Um, but they, they had to, to, to go on and put in their spin. But there's these people and these people and these people and these people. So their report is there's people everywhere. But their next report is this is a land that devours its inhabitants. So how can that be? Either it devours its inhabitants or it doesn't because it sure seems like it's full of inhabitants. How often do we twist a promise of God by what we see, and pretty soon we don't know which end is which. 
what's up or what's down. Because we let our mind get to racing. And we do like Robert said, and we fling off the promise of God or the jacket of Jesus, and we don't remember what he said. Isn't that what the devil did to Eve? Did God really say? She didn't seem to know exactly what God really did say. And he'll do the same to you. Did God really tell you fill in the blank? So that's, that's the importance of needing this foundation. Yeah, God really did say, and here's where he said it, and I know this is what he said. Then I can bounce back from that position of this place is full of giants that are going to eat me up because I'm a grasshopper to the position that God actually said, is this a fruitful land that I've given to you? The land didn't change, but the perspective sure did. So whose report basically are you going to believe? The whole congregation had two reports. Joshua and Caleb said, it's a good land, we're well able. The other ten said, it's a good land, there's no chance. They, they all saw the same land for 40 days. They all took turns probably carrying those grapes out. Joshua and Caleb chose to be resilient and bounce back to the foundation of God's word that he's given me this land and we can take it. The other 10 said, nope, no way. In verse four, or one of 14, so all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried and the people wept. So whose report did they believe? Is that, is that the place we wanna to get to where we sling off the promise of God and believe what our eyes see. There's often that's our choice. Often we have the choice to stand on the foundation of what God said or not. And um, we ought to be resilient. We need to be able to bounce back to the promise, the promise that God's made. Um, we have a part in that process. Um, we get to do the choosing. These people got to choose. There was consequence for a bad choice. And sometimes we have consequences for bad choices. But could you see here that they made the choice? God wanted them to choose rightly. Let's go to Matthew 17. Matthew 17, verse 14. When they had come to the multitude, so perspective, Jesus, Peter, James, and John had been up on the mountain, and Jesus was transfigured, and they come down. Um, So... And they come down to a mess. There's a multitude, and things are not going well for the other nine. 
Um, when we came to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Verse 17, then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said to them, Because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible to you. So, the reason he gave the disciples, now this is, this is later in their ministry than when Jesus sent them out, and um, there was one time he sent the 12 out, which would be these this group, and one time 70, and they came back marveling that, and they said, even demons are subject to us in your name. So they have had success. They have done this kind of work. But here, they, they were not being successful. And they, so, you know, you don't want to ask those kinds of questions in front of everybody. So privately later, what's up here? What? You can see why they're asking, why didn't this work? It's worked before, but it wasn't working today. And Jesus said, because of your unbelief. So unbelief <clears throat> to them was, was the problem. Resiliency, they needed to get back to a position of belief. To be resilient, to get back to the intent, they needed to get back to that other position. Verse 21 um, I believe is referring back to the reason that they were unsuccessful because of your unbelief. However, this kind of unbelief does not go out except by prayer and fasting. If they would return back to the foundation of what they knew, problem resolved. Often, to be resilient, we've got to get back to what we know problem resolved. That sounds simple. It's not quite that simple, but that's really the truth. Um, They had a choice. We have choices. They had a choice. We have choices. We can choose to come back to the foundation or have a party, a pity party, blame God. This never works. You don't care. What? That's not going to get you anywhere. Um, but, but I think Jesus was encouraging them. There, there is a way for you to eliminate your unbelief, but it takes a little effort. It takes some effort sometimes for us to come back to the position we know we need to be in, to be resilient back to what God has said. 
Let's look at another example in Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, Christmas story will be there Friday, if not already. Luke chapter 1, verse 30. This is the angel talking to Mary. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord... God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there shall be no end. That's quite a promise, isn't it? If they were to say that about your son. Mary said to the angel, verse 34, how can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you The power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. So Mary's in the same boat as the congregation when the spies came back, isn't she? She's got this report. And the congregation are listening to the, the two reports, and they're, they're leaning really hard towards the one that um, is more believable to them. It'd be much easier to believe the land is full of giants and we're toast than to believe the land is full of giants, and we've got this. And that was really their two choices. Mary has this promise that uh, you're going to be pregnant, and this boy is the son of God, and he is going to rule the nations, um, and you're not married. And she's like, how's that going to work? <clears throat> he says, the Holy Ghost will take care of that. And now she's got to choose to believe that report or think this is way outside of normal. But verse 38, then Mary said, behold the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed. Mary had a choice to make and she chose God's word. She chose, okay, back to the foundation promise of God, I'm just going to go with that. And she gets up and goes to see Elizabeth. So um, she takes out of the equation even that her and Joseph could try to make this happen because she's out of town. I'm gone. So she really did take God at his word. She may have a choice to make. Uh, and she set her course to agree with God's word. We need to be that, that bold to set our course 
our actions to follow through with what God said. Matthew 21. Matthew 21, 21. Jesus answered and said to them, I sh- assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, You will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but also if you say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, it will be done. And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. So remember, we're talking about lifting lids. And as we go along, we're going to endeavor to not be like the flea, that even when the lid is gone, we don't break free. We're going to find the things that are hindering us, and we're going to change, change our course of action. Jesus said here, if you have faith, whatever things you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. So our success in life, our success in lid lifting is really going to be a reflection of what we believe. If you continue to have a hindered belief, you will have a hindered, um, you, you cannot succeed past what you believe. That's, that's what held the flea down. The flea believed there's a barrier there. The barrier's gone. The flea doesn't believe it. The flea doesn't even attempt anymore. So often in our life, the barrier is there. We don't even attempt to get past it. We believe it's still there. We believe what, what was said, what our experience is. You fill in the blank. Um, so our success is a reflection, or our lack of success is a reflection of what we believe. We will lack... Um, We lack faith in God's limitless power when we live and think limited. We lack faith in God's limitless power when we trust our abilities, not God's capabilities. When the focus comes on me and not on God, not on his foundation, that's a limited position. That's going to hold me back. Hold me back from what Again, our foundation is what we see in God's word. That's, that's how we're going to have success. We keep coming back to God's word, God's promise, God's provision. So how do we recognize some lids? We've all got lids. How, how, do, we, how do we recognize lids? How do we recognize what's hindering us, what thoughts are hindering us? I think there's some keys, some keys you can find if you'll listen to yourself. Things like, I never, he always, we never, we can't, um, maybe it never, God never, 
when we when you hear yourself things like we never we never have enough money to do xyz my husband always you you've set a lid i never uh, you pick it um god never um they won't we can't this won't work we've tried that before those are all indicators of a lid those are all areas where i've squelched contrary to a promise of god potentially it it gives me an idea of where i'm thinking it gives me an idea where i'm thinking does that agree with the word of god how do you lift the lid if you've recognized the lid well, i think there's three steps first thing we've got to discover what the word of god says this isn't just pie in the sky i could just make up whatever i want and say that and expect that's going to happen again we've got to build on a foundation we've got to have our mind bouncing back to the truth of what god has said and then there's confidence isn't it there's got to be a a foundation built and if you don't have one you've got to start building that foundation but you've got to discover what god said so let's just pick a couple of these lids and look for a verse that we could start building some foundation if your lid is i can't i can't do that i can't this i can't that um maybe philippians 4:13 Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So now we have two sides of this coin. I can't or I can. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So you've got to begin to, to lay that foundation. Begin to lay that foundation. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When I'm tempted to think I can't, I have to recognize that that I can't lid is gone, and I can. I can do that. I can do that. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Um, what about a lid I don't deserve? I'm not good enough. Um, I, ne- I, you know, I just, that would never happen for me. Those are lids. Let's look at Colossians 1, verse 12. Colossians 1, 12, 13. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love. So when you're tempted to think, I don't deserve X, Y, Z, I'm not good enough, I don't qualify, what did God say? He has made us qualified, fit, fit to be partakers of the inheritance. He's delivered us from darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love. He's positionally moved us 
into the good team, the winning team, the kingdom of his son. So we are no longer not deserving because our deservedness is because God said so. But that's got to be a foundation. What about the lid, I'm not good enough. I'm never enough. I'm not good enough. I'm, I'm a mess. I'm a sinner. I'm this. I'm that. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 5.21. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. Or personalize it. He made him, Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin for me. That I might become the righteousness of God in Christ. God says I'm righteous. That's a good foundation. I am righteous. I am in right standing with God. The, the, the lid of I'm not good enough or I'm a sinner or I, that lid has been removed. God took the lid off. He says you are the righteousness of God in Christ. What about um, just a practical lid? We never, um, you know, your finances, we, we just can't afford that. We can't ever make ends meet. That's a lid. Philippians again, 419. Says... My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Back in 2 Corinthians 9. Second Corinthians 9 verse 8. God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. Down to verse 11, while you are enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. God's lidless position is you're abundantly supplied. You're... you're um, Always having all sufficiency. That's not, we don't have, we never can, we always are short. You've got to lay the foundation of what God said. Keep laying the foundation. Keep laying down the foundation. Um, 1 Peter 2.24, it's a great healing scripture. Himself took our infirmities bore our sicknesses in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin and alive to righteousness, so there's that righteous piece again, by his stripes we were healed. That's a foundation you're going to need. You're going to need that foundation. So step one in, in lifting the lid is discover what God says. This takes a little work sometimes to really know what God said, not what you think he said or what you wish he said or what you've heard he didn't say or did say. Get in there and find out. Find out what God has told you, what he's promised to you. Because once you see it, that it's for you, 
then you can begin to not let that lid keep you in the jar. So discover what God said is the first thing. Second thing is, is um, well, I want one more scripture. Second Corinthians, we're right there. Chapter 1, verse 20. Second Corinthians 1, 20. For all the promises of God in him are yes and in him amen. God's not going to make you a promise and change his mind. If you find scripture that God has made available, a provision he's made for you, that's his intent. All the promises of God are yes. Pretty clear. But you got to get in there and find it. You got to you got to study to show yourself approved. Okay? The second thing, spend some time reminding yourself or each other spouses Parents and children, spend some time reminding each other of God's promises. Begin to reinforce that truth position that you're going to be resilient and come back to. Because we're always tempted. When we, when we fall off the horse, we've got to get back on. We have to come back to that foundation that we've found. So we have to remind ourselves, remind each other. What did God say about me? What did he say about us? What did God say about this situation? When it looks contrary, what did God say? What was his promise? What did God say about my future? Second Corinthians, we're right there, chapter 3, verses 4 to 6. We have such trust through Christ toward God, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God, who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant. Not of the letter, but of the spirit, for the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. God says he's made us sufficient. Our sufficiency, our, our, even our ability to do this, it's not ourselves, but we can do it through Christ. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Back to Philippians. So our, our, our sufficiency. So first, we've got to find what God's word says. Second, we need to spend some time reminding yourself, keeping it fresh. This is what God has promised. This is my foundation I'm coming back to. Third, you need to surround yourself with some people some people of faith, or some people of vision. Find somebody that you see that appears to be doing this better than you. Find a flea that's jumping higher. Okay? I mean, it's pretty simple. Find somebody, we recognize this in the business world, you find somebody that's more successful than you and ask them how they do it. I know you farmers are asking each other, what are you doing? All the time. So, same thing. Find somebody spiritually that's got it going and ask them, what are you doing? Intentionally put yourself in situations to learn, um, to stretch 
your thinking or your beliefs. Find that person that's almost seems out there spiritually. I mean, not out there goofy, but out there believing God and out there really pressing in that next level. Ask him a few questions. Buy him some lunch and just ask him, what's, what's, how did you get to that level of trusting God? How did you get to where you're at? So focus, focus on vision, focus on future hopes. Again, these are based what I've seen in the word. If I see in the word that this is God's plan and I'm right here, I need to set my sights up to here. I need to set in alignment with what God's promised, but set my sights up there and start to focus on that. And then that's going to cause the need for you to do something different. Maybe find a mentor, a habit of thought. Um, you got to make some change. If you keep doing the same thing, expecting something different, good luck with that. Again, John 8.36 said, if the Son makes you free, you'll be free indeed. So this freedom, um, Elizabeth, you, you and your team can come back. This freedom that the Son gives if the sun makes you free, if God makes you free. Again, the focus here is discovering God's intent, God's purpose. Clothing yourselves with, with that jacket of God all the time. Um, then that's, that's where freedom indeed comes from. So I'm going to ask you this morning, do you feel free or do you feel limited? And then what, what makes you feel confined? Identify your lids. Where are you thinking wrong? Where are you being confined? Mark eleven twenty four says, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. I want to encourage you this morning to ask for some breakthrough. Probably the first step is ask God, where am I limited? Where do I have a lid? Where do I need some change? Where do I need to expand? Where am I being stuffed into a jar and I need to be freed? The sun, he who the sun sets free or makes free is free indeed. And then you got to start, you have to, you have to believe it. So I'm just going to ask again, I'm willing to pray for anybody that feels like they've got a lid and they want to start experiencing some of that freedom. And Elizabeth and the team's got a song or two, they'll finish up and, and when, you know, when we're done praying, we'll be dismissed. I'm going to ask you to recognize the lid, believe for freedom and that final step is to start jumping. 
Don't be the flea in the jar that refuses to jump a half inch higher. Jump and hit your head. And then jump again. Until you recognize that lid's gone. He who the sun sets free is free indeed. God, what have you shown us about ourselves? Who, who am I in Christ? What's your plan? What's your vision? Help me to see it. Help me to see what's hindering me. And to cast that off, to believe the good report. To believe that I am able to take the land. Be like Mary. Be it unto me according to your word. So I'm just going to encourage you, if, if you feel limited, if you feel like you got a lid and want agreement and prayer come up, I'll pray for you. Um, just, just ask God. Don't, don't stay stuck in the jar. Amen. Thank you for listening. To subscribe to our podcast, search New Life Eckley in all of the major podcasting apps. Audio and video of our sermons are posted at newlifeeckley.com slash live, and you can watch Sermon Slices weekdays on social media. Search at New Life Eckley. Our main service is at 10 a.m. Mountain Time every Sunday. Thanks for listening.